Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Back in the 13th century, the German king, Frederick II, conducted this terrible, diabolical experiment intended to discover what language kids would naturally speak and grow up to speak if no one ever spoke to them. And so he thought it would be German because he was German, he was arrogant. My family's German, I know how that goes. But King Frederick took a bunch of babies from their mothers at birth and he placed them in the care of nurses and the nurses had a rule. They were forbidden to communicate with the babies and not just forbidden to speak to them, but to even speak in the same room or in the same vicinity as them. And that's pretty weird, but the nurses were also not allowed to even touch these Infants. And so to his great dismay, Frederick's experiment was cut short, but not before something, honestly, that's just tragically significant happened. See, what happened in this experiment, what was revealed, as you might have guessed, the babies failed to speak. Not just that they failed to speak any language at all, but they also failed to live because they died. In the year 1248, an Italian historian named Salambini di Adam recorded with an air of scientific observation that these children could not live without petting. He said that these babies literally died for want of touch. I think this is astounding and yet not surprising at all. It's more sad than anything but I think that we, we probably can see this because it's built into the DNA of who we are as humans and people made in the image of God. Modern medicine calls this phenomenon failure to thrive. Modern medicine tells us that we need contact and touch points with other humans and we have to interact with and have relationships with other people. Here's the simple truth. We are better together. Lack of being together can kill a human. And if that can be said of humans and our bodies in general, wouldn't it make sense to say that the same thing could be said about followers of Jesus? Followers of Jesus together make up what the Bible calls the body of Christ. And the body of Christ fails to thrive when we are not together, when we aren't connecting, when we do life alone. The reality is you and I are walking toward death. Well, it's week two in our series, The Beginner's Guide to Following Jesus. And in this series, we're taking kind of a back-to-the-basics approach to talk about what it really means to live a Jesus-centered life. Many of us have been raised in America. Many of us have maybe grown up in a Christian family or around Christians or feel like we know what being a Christian or an evangelical is about. And yet, if we look at the lives of Christians— we look at the practice of Christians, we find that they don't really reflect what Jesus and his word tell us. And so the goal of this series is to strip back tradition and religion and history and politics and expectations and all of those things and see what the Bible can tell us about simply living for Jesus. 
Well, I want to take us to a passage uh, this week, and that passage is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Before we turn there, maybe as you turn there, I want to let you know that the Bible is broken up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And in Jesus's own words, he came to seek and save the lost. See, you and I were created in the image of God, made in the image of God to be in relationship with God. But our sin puts us on a path to death and a path that's separating us from God. When we choose our own way, the wrong things in our lives separate us from God. And the assignment, the desire of Jesus was to give his life, to pay the price for our sins, to give his life so that our sin would no longer separate us from God, but so that by believing in the sacrifice and and Jesus giving his life, his completed and finished work on the cross, that gap would be closed. We can be found in Jesus. We can have a relationship with Jesus. We can know Jesus. And so when Jesus closed up his earthly ministry here in those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we, we see in the book of Acts that, that Jesus ascends to heaven and he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to prepare for eternity. That happens in Acts chapter one. In Acts chapter two, he said I would, he would send the Holy Spirit and, and we see that happening. And even there's a moment where the apostle Peter gets to share the gospel, gets to share what has happened, this thread of God's plan through history and how Jesus redeemed what we had done to mess up and how we can know him. That all happens in Acts chapter two and the New Testament church, kind of the modern church as we know it, is born and is set into existence. And traditionally, movement church and modern churches, other churches, even since that point, have met together for worship services. We've met together to celebrate and be in person in this last year. As you all know, during COVID, those plans have changed. And so we've always believed that we could learn things from the New Testament church. We've always said that we could learn things from the church in Acts. But we want to look at this passage today because we think that this is more relevant than ever as we're beginning to meet in our movement groups and kind of house churches as we're calling them. And so this is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is a snapshot and kind of a, a blueprint of what made up not just the first church in the book of Acts, but, but some things that can echo forward, some things that should, should, should be seen in the church and in our house churches in our community today. And so what can we learn from this church in this passage? Well, here's the first thing. If you're a note taker, you can learn this, that they were devoted 
to teaching, fellowship, and prayer. Verse 42 tells us that very, very plainly and, and shows us that they were devoted. It means that when you're devoted to something, there's no question. And so if someone were to look at my life and say, what are you devoted to? I would hope they would see that I'm devoted to my relationship with Jesus. I would hope that they would see that I'm devoted to my wife, my kids, and my family, my job. I'm sure they would say, this guy spends time taking care of his house. I'm sure he's devoted to that. Well, here's something I haven't been too devoted to, honestly, recently. I talk about being a basketball fan. I talk about watching the NBA. Last night, I only watched the the second game since they restarted in the bubble from start to finish. I don't know how many games there have been, but they've been going for weeks. And the reality is this time of year, this season, I haven't had time. Am I devoted to the NBA? Yeah, I like to think I am. What I tell you I am? Yeah. Have I truthfully been devoted to the NBA? No. Now you could judge me, but I know that some of you that are watching this have treadmills at your house you think you're devoted to. And well, we know that sometimes devotion doesn't always play out, right? But these people were devoted to teaching. They were devoted and committed to seeing God's word communicated into their life. They were devoted to what these apostles said, and they were devoted to letting God's word take hold in their life and in their heart. They were also devoted to fellowship. We'll talk about that a little bit more here, but they were simply devoted to spending time together with other believers because there's power in relationship. And they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to spending time talking with God because when you spend time in the presence of someone, you are changed. Your character becomes more like the people you spend time with. So what better way to change your character to be like God's character than to spend time with him and to spend time talking with him. They were devoted to teaching, fellowship, and prayer. The second thing we can notice here is they consistently met together. We've already said that they were devoted, but you can be devoted to something that's a yearly ritual, right? Something that happens for an annual time, but this isn't just running into each other in the market. This isn't just hanging out or passing each other when you're going to get water at the well every day. This means that you are clearing time in your schedule for face-to-face interaction and being around people. They were devoted to teaching, fellowship, and prayer. And verse 44 and verse 46 tells us they consistently met together. The third thing maybe you can write down there is that they cared for each other's needs. Verses 44 and 45 tell us that they shared everything they had. This church shared everything they had. And you and I should aspire to do the same. We're told that they sold property and possessions for those in need. I think it's amazing sometimes when modern Americans think about meeting needs. We hear that someone needs a car and we think, oh, I don't have a car I can give them. And I I think we could look at this blueprint of this church and say, well, maybe you don't have a car, but do you have $3,000 that could buy a car? If we're selling things to meet the needs of others, we're ready to share every possession that we have. They were willing to meet needs. Another thing that you can write down here, something we can notice about this church They shared life and they shared meals. This is not just Friendsgiving once a year. I'm just picking on you if you do Friendsgiving. This is not just saying they're going to hang out with someone and then looking at their calendar and, oh, we're too busy. Oh, it never happens. It says they regularly shared the Lord's Supper. They did that because they weren't just sharing life and sharing meals. They were sharing things that mattered, things of substance. They were sharing spiritual content. Not just board games, not just watching football. These people were together. They were sharing life, sharing meals. 
And they were talking and focusing on things that mattered. I think a key of sharing life, a key that goes into sharing life and a key that comes out of sharing life that we can see here is joy and generosity. The joy of the Lord is contagious and the generosity that flows from God giving his only son, Jesus giving his life, flows through us and flows into the lives of others. When we're sharing life and sharing meals, we're going to see that there's joy and there's generosity that's shared. The Acts 2 church was devoted to teaching fellowship and prayer, devoted and and consistently meeting together. They were caring for each other's needs and they shared life and meals. The reality is that they knew what they were doing had a greater meaning than, than just getting together in someone's house. This had a spiritual significance and an eternal impact. And so what do I want us to know? What do I think we can take from this passage? What's the big idea that needs to be a part of our lives? Well, it's this, that God wants us in committed church community so we can grow, be cared for, and thrive. Let me say that again. God wants us in committed church community so that we can grow, be cared for, and thrive. Now, I know that we've already talked about devotion and that word committed there might seem like overkill, but the reality is there are people who will theoretically say, oh, I, I love Jesus, I, I, I care about the church. And when you look at their schedule, when you look at their practice, when you look at how they spend their, t- their time, they're not committed to the church. We need to be in committed community What does community mean? Well, community means that there's enough people around to love us, to care for us, to sharpen us. We can't just hang out with our one friend who always tells us that we're right. We need to be in a plural community so that there's enough people around that when you need told that you're not awesome, someone can say you're not awesome. And when you need a hug, someone can give you a hug. And when you need one of your needs met, There are different gifts and and needs represented so that someone can respond in love. We need to be in committed church community. I hope you notice I'm not just saying Christian community. I'm not just talking about finding some of the other people that have fish stickers at your kid's school and saying that you're the Christian club. I'm talking about the church, God's designed expression of believers, the local church, We need to be committed to be in church community so that it can sharpen us and shape us. Why is that? Because out of that, we can grow. Well, how do we know that God wants us to grow? Well, I pay for a vacation every year for my kids because I want them to have that experience and I want them on that trip so that we can spend time together. I bought them a Walmart pool this summer so that we could swim in that and make some memories. And when you pay for things, when you design things, as a dad, when you make things happen, it's because you want that for your kids. And God created the church and gifted us as the church and gave us community because he wants us in community, in the church, participating and experiencing the benefits of growth. And if we participate in community, we get to grow in relationship with others as we grow in a relationship with God. Growth only happens when we're pushed toward the right things, scripture and relationships. And in due time, we're gonna fade somewhere in our lives and in our hearts, we're gonna get off course. And so we need people to push us and center us on scripture and on relationships that are based on scripture, on relationships that's centered on Jesus. When we're in that community, we can be cared for. Because the only way that you can truly be cared for is to be pointed to God and to his word. 
If you're not being cared for in something that focuses you on the gospel, well, then you're not being cared for at all. Someone might be able to meet one need or they might be able to tell you what you hear, but if someone is pointing you anywhere other than the gospel and gospel-centered relationships based in the church of Jesus, the church that Jesus died for, then they are not caring for you. I know we think there are a lot of people that care for us. They're maybe meeting needs in some way, giving us possession, giving us money, getting us by. But if someone is not pointing you to Jesus and the gospel and his church, I hope you trust me when I, when I say this, they are not caring for you. We can be cared for as we grow in the church and not just that, but we said that we can thrive. Well, what does it mean to thrive? It means that you're living your best life. If you're not being encouraged and surrounded by the gospel, you're not being given living water. My family went out to Alum Creek this last week and we had a, a baby with us. And so one of the moms brought like a container and we're like, hey, she can play around in that. Go get some water out of the, the lake. And when you have a white Rubbermaid container and you go bring some lake water back, you can quickly see that that water is, it's not purified. It's not fresh. Sometimes we're swimming in this dirty water. We're swimming in the things that we've built up in our life and we need living water. That's why Jesus wants us in the church that he died for. That's why he wants us in committed community so that we can swim in living water and know living water. Why does God want us together in community? Well, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that tells us that we've all been given a spiritual gift. It says that we are one body with many different parts and every part is represented in that body and plays a part in that body and all of the parts of the body are needed. Right now, my elbow is being used, my arm is being used, my neck is being used, my mouth is being used, my my circulatory system is working, my skeleton is, is doing its job. Every part of the body is doing its job and these verses in 1 Corinthians say, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We can't say that we don't need the body and we can't say that there are parts of the body that are not valuable. And sometimes that means accepting the truth that we have value and we are valuable. Our design, our body part is valuable and the church needs it. Community needs it. Other people need to experience what God has gifted us with. The body of Christ has many parts and they're valuable and they're needed, but there's a common hiccup that exists when we second guess God's plan and God's design. And sometimes we think, hey, you know what this church needs? Or you know why I don't want to go to that church? Because they don't have this. Or they need to focus more on this. And there's a reality that we need to see in the truth we're looking at this morning. If you're noticing something is missing, if you're noticing that there's a void, well, that church and that body of Christ and that community and that group might just need you. Your gifting might just be the answer. Guess who notices when, when they can go into a church and no one talks to them? It's often the extroverts who could be the answer to that. Guess who walks into a church often and notices that the signage is bad? It's the person with the ability to do some graphic design. Sometimes we forget that we can be the answer to a gap in the body of Christ. Sometimes we forget that there's one body and many parts and that we are one of those parts 
and we can respond with the gifts that God has given us as we build community and as we make and help the body function as it was designed to do. See, sometimes we, we get trapped up and we think, oh, this church is missing that. And here's the reality. It's not just that that church is missing that. It's, it's much deeper than that. This is an eternal spiritual battle. God gave us these gifts and God made us the body because day to day, week to week, hour to hour, we are engaged in a battle for people's lives. We're engaged in a battle and we've been given gifts that can function together as a body to wage that war and to fight that battle. And so we think like, yeah, I like church, but I don't know if it's too important for me. And the reality is, We are called to be iron that sharpens iron. We are called to use our gifts. We are called to strengthen each other, to correct each other, to encourage each other, to love each other as the body in community so that we can grow, so that we can move, so that we can have impact, so that we can fight that war. And so when we know this truth, when we know we've been given gifts, when we know that we're called to this eternal impact, We have to get engaged in the war. We can't take community for granted. We can't say, oh, that's not for me. We have to know that community is part of a bigger equation. And we have to know that community makes an eternal impact. People's lives are being changed forever and saved when we engage in community, when we engage in the church. The reality is this that God wants us in a committed church community so that we can grow, so that we can be cared for, and so that we can thrive. That's why he designed the church the way that he has. And so I want to ask you this morning, this week, have you invited someone recently into community? Maybe, maybe you know this truth, but maybe you can think of someone that doesn't know this truth. Maybe it's time for you to invite someone into a spiritual, Jesus-centered community so that they can use their gifts, so that they can experience the gifts of others, and they can grow, and they can be cared for, and they can thrive. Maybe you're listening to this, watching this, and you're thinking, you know what, I, I know that I have gifts. I know that this is an eternal battle, and I haven't been in community. I need to push myself past my preferences, past my natural desire, past my schedule, and where I've been, the status quo. I need to pursue community and get in community. As we kind of close up here today and finish, I want to just give you some common excuses that I I hear in my role. Why people don't want to be a part of a house church. Why they don't want to be in a movement group. Why they don't want to be in a small group. And here they are. And I don't mean to mock these, but I just, I want you to know that we prioritize relationship. We prioritize community. We want you in a movement group. We want you in a house church. And we've done everything we can to remove these excuses. And so I want to help you check them off the list as you take steps toward community and, and toward being in community. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't like people. They say, I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm not comfortable around strangers. They say that people are exhausting. Or maybe, maybe if you're Drake, you just say something like, no new friends, right? He's a rapper, in case you didn't know. Okay, okay. Anyway, but some of us just don't like people. We don't like this concept. And I think that's when we have to know that we're not being obedient. We're not being submissive to God's word. God didn't say, I created you for community. Use your gift for the body of Christ if you always want to, or if you're in the mood, or if you're an extrovert. No, we're called to a much greater purpose. And he's asked us to do this because it matters. Some people say, well, I don't want to open up. Maybe they feel personal shame. Maybe they feel this guilt. I want you to know that our group leaders work hard to make these groups into a safe environment 
where you can share, where you can open up, where you can walk together, where you can be the body of Christ, and they will do everything they can for you to be able to feel safe. Some people say, well, I'll be the new person, and we work hard to help our groups expand and to multiply. I want you to know this, that every group that's starting this year, this coming week, is a, is a new group. Some people maybe have hung out together before, but all of these groups relaunch every year, every semester, so that everyone can feel new and we can all be on the same page. I've heard people before say something like, well, I don't like that leader of that group, or I don't like some of the people in that group, or I just got bad vibes, whatever that means. But okay, let's, let's say that you felt that way. Well, the reality is, that would be a good excuse. I know that we all don't vibe with every person, every leader, every, every group. Well, that's why there's 21 groups this year, so that you can find a group that fits you. Some people would say, well, I don't have the time for a group, and I'm only free on this night. And I would say, I don't think you have the time to not be in a group. We prioritize what we care about, and Scripture tells us the design of the church of Jesus after he left this earth and said, I'm going to give you the church so that you can grow and continue toward the goal. The church calls us to make community a priority. His design of the church calls us to make meeting together a priority, and we need to do that. I've heard people say, well, I was in a group once, and it was awful. Well, maybe you were, honestly. Maybe you were in a group, and it was awful, but I hope that doesn't give you a doomsday attitude forever. I hope you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I hope that you know that just because you had a bad meal one time, you don't have to stop eating. I'm sorry about maybe a previous experience you had with another church or other Christians or maybe even movement church, but I hope that you will still let scripture speak into your life and be committed to community. I've heard people say, well, I don't know the Bible well enough. I want you to know that all of our groups meet together every week and they talk through a a study guide that's based on our message. And so you're going to know the topic ahead of time. You're going to know the passages, the questions, and the format of the night ahead of time. And if, if you're scared of prayer, you'll know when and how that's going to happen. If you're scared that you won't know how to answer a question, you'll know the question ahead of time. If you don't know where the books of the Bible are, you can look that up ahead of time. I've heard people this year say, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with what what's going on with, with COVID. And so I want you to know that we have several groups that are meeting online that are going to be uh, Zoom groups only. We've got people that feel like right now they shouldn't be around other people because of the circumstances of family members or maybe their own health or maybe just their own comfort. And so if you want to stay in the privacy and the safety of your own apartment and your own home and meet together, you can do that. I've heard people say, well, I don't want to take my kids. They're too loud. They're too rowdy. They're too noisy. They're going to interrupt the meeting. Well, I want you to know I'm the king of that problem. And that's why we have paid for childcare as a church. We've prioritized having affordable and free childcare at at every group that wants it so that people don't have to miss out on community. We take care of that for free. I had someone say this week to me, I don't know if my spouse can make it. I don't know if they're going to want to come to this meeting. I know that that can be tough. I know that that can be difficult. I know that there are some families that are divided in their faith, but I want you to know that every week, strong men and women come to movement groups without their spouses. Maybe it's because their spouse is traveling. Maybe it's because they're in the service. Maybe it's because they're just not on the same page spiritually. But I want you to know You are welcome to come to a group alone, and I know that that's a difficult thing to walk through, but there will be other people that will empathize with you, and your leaders are ready to help you walk from that foundation. 
I've had people say things as simple as, Mark, I'm allergic to pets. I can't be in a house where there's pets. Again, I want to direct you to the fact that there's 21 groups and you don't have to go to the the home that has that giant dog that will make you sneeze the whole time. You can go to someone's apartment that's so clean and they hate pets too. Go ahead and find a group and look into those details. We can find one that will fit you. I've even heard people say, but I'm single, but I'm, I'm old, but I'm in college. And I want you to know that our group's are based in life stages. And so if you want to be around single people, there are groups for that. If you want to be around young married people, there are groups for that. If you want to be around people who are just having their first kid or their second kid or their third kid or their fourth kid or people who have too many kids and their kids are rowdy or people that have kids that are in middle school and high school, you can find all of those things based on life stages. And so I would encourage you to go to movementgroups.com, check out our groups and find a group that fits for you. Here's the reality. We have many that are meeting this week together, even watching this video that are in their group for the first time. I hope that you've been emboldened to know that God designed the church and God designed community to help us grow, to help us to be cared for and to help us thrive. And I hope you're excited about the year ahead and the community that you'll be able to build. There are other people that are watching this video that maybe have not decided to pursue community yet. Maybe you've never been connected to a church. Maybe you've liked COVID because you could kind of just do this online church thing and watch this. I would encourage you to find community, to lean into community, to find a dedicated, committed church community where you can grow. And if you're not in a group, if you don't have that yet, think of it this way. When a doctor says, hey, I think we need to get this to be a part of your life. Maybe you need to start walking more. Maybe you need to focus on nutrition. We don't usually look at that doctor and say, hey, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. And so I hope that you'll view this decision. I hope that you'll view this little suggestion, this recommendation today, like you would that of a doctor that you respect. I hope that you'll see that God wants us in community. God designed the church for community and Jesus gifted us the church when he left to go back to heaven and prepare a place for us because he knows this is where we'll use our gifts. This is where we'll be pushed to grow. This is where we'll thrive. And this is where we'll experience living water. We experience that in community, in the church that Jesus designed when we're using our gifts and leaning into relationship with others. God wants us in committed church community so we can grow, be cared for, and thrive. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encouraged you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or giving online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. 